Transformational truth number two. You don't rise to the level you aspire to. You rise to the level you're exposed to. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. On today's episode of Transformational Truths, I am honored to have Bishop Randy Borders on the show. And listen, you are in for a treat. Uh, for those who have not had the pleasure of meeting Bishop Borders yet, let me take a minute and introduce him to you. Bishop Border serves as a senior pastor of Faith Harvest Church in Shelby, North Carolina. He is a gifted preacher. He is a published author of an incredible book called More Than a Mentor. He hosts a conference called Mentors and Mantles, and he is a leader to leaders. Now, one of the things that sets Bishop Borders apart is his passion to not only be a mentor to younger leaders, but to help leaders become better mentors. We had an absolutely rich conversation about the importance of not only having a mentor, but becoming one. In fact, you might even hear the keyboard on my computer while you're listening, because while he was talking, I was taking notes. Listen, I cannot wait to expose you to Bishop Border's wisdom, so let's go ahead and jump in. Our special guest today is Bishop Randy Borders. Bishop Borders, welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast. We are honored to have you, sir. And not as much as I'm glad to be here. So today's Transformational Truth is this. You don't rise to the level you aspire to. You rise to the level you're exposed to. And what we're talking about today with Bishop Borders is the law of exposure, and it begins with relationships. So in essence, if you feel called to the mission field, expose yourself to other missionaries. If you sense a calling to start your own business, expose yourself to other businessmen and women who are already doing what you feel called to do. Or like in my case, if you feel called to ministry, surround yourself with other pastors and ministry leaders. In essence, what we're talking about is mentoring relationships that can help us rethink what's possible and shorten the distance between where we are and where we're called to be. Now, Bishop Borders, you actually, you actually host a conference called Mentors and Mantles. You've done some extremely important writing on this subject, and you obviously carry a burden not to merely mentor leaders, but you help leaders become better mentors. Bishop, can you just take a few minutes and share with our listeners where and how did you develop this passion? Uh, I, I actually believe, I like what you said, because I believe that vision is expanded through experience and exposure. Mm. So the more that you're exposed to, the more it expands your mind. And so I was from a small town and I actually went to college. And when I went to college, I found the Spiritfield Church. And, um, and But it was like something I had never seen. I saw uh, so many dynamics of church and I was in this this small microcosm 
uh, in a small town, Shelby, North Carolina, about 20,000 people, but I went to a big city. And so, um, and I, I wonder how in the world did they do this? What is the model? And so I, I ended up getting close to my pastor and I realized that, uh, that, that his exposure, his level of knowledge was so far beyond mine. And the more uh, I would be around him, the more I realized that there is more caught than taught. And so wow. as I would be around him, I would catch different concepts and I would just put it in my repertoire. And I realized that, that there was so much I didn't need because you don't know what you don't have until you see what you don't have. And wow. then when you see it, you know, I don't have any of this. So um, I guess for me, it was realizing that I thought I was, you know, I had so much until I went somewhere where I just in conversation, I realized how barren I was. And I realized if I was that way, there had to be other people that were that way. And how do you get that? How do you build these relationships? And so I tell people all the time, I may not be financially rich yet, but I am, I am relationship rich yes. because I have learned the law of uh, relationship. Really, I call it the, was the law of attraction is that whatever you respect, you will attract. And so I respect people. I respect what they do. And also people who are, who are successful people, who are go-getters, people who accomplish in their particular field. I respect that. And many of them, I've ended up leading them to the Lord because I didn't respect them because they were Christian. I respect right. them because of their gifting. And the gifting uh, ultimately came from the Lord. And he put that in right. them so that they could be used for the kingdom. And so I had a, a part to play in that as well. Wow. Wow. Um, you said something important. You said you discovered that there's more caught than taught. Can you just, for those listening, just take a minute and expand on that idea. What do you mean by that, that there's more caught than taught? That's a, that's a term I've heard used before, but oftentimes it's used in passing, and, and we don't often understand the importance of that concept. Can you speak to that just for a moment? I, I talk a lot about fathers. I talk a lot about spiritual fathers, but then their fathers yes. of movements, their fathers of, uh, of, of particular expertise fields, someone we are like a father in that field. Well, well, mentors give blueprints, but fathers give DNA, they give imprint. Mm, and wow. so a lot of times when you're around somebody that is a master, see that you can, you can be an apprentice, but when an apprentice hangs around a master, then they, they start gaining different tricks of the trade as it were that they would not know. But it's like that whole DNA thing It's like, if I I'm drinking a, a cup of coffee, somebody can come along behind me uh, who, uh, who's an expert in forensics and they can lift my DNA off that cup because I touched it. And right. so sometimes there is a particular flow or a DNA uh, that flows through what we're doing. And because we touch people, we leave an imprint on them. Some of us actually rubs off on them. And when you see me, I'm a conglomeration of a lot of people. And mm. so they, they rubbed off on me and I have an impartation, as it were, of what they were and, and who they're doing. So I'm not, I mean, I'm, I can't say that there's any one individual, I can't say they're dominant figures, but, uh, but, but there are so many who, who thought it not robbery to, uh, to listen to me because uh, I, one of the things that, that I do is that I, I learn how to be a student. When I'm in the presence of someone who knows more than me, I keep my That's mouth good. shut. I am never trying to prove how much I know, even though the Lord has blessed me to be able to do some things. When I'm around them, I'm a student. And uh, because if I speak, then they're going to think, why do I need to tell them anything? They're telling me what they're already doing. Right. I realize that uh, uh, that I am uh, 
Uh, just like when Abraham went to Melchizedek, the Bible said that the lesser paid tithe to the greater. It's it's almost like my honor, and that was a type of honor. My honor goes to those who've done what I haven't done and yes. who've been where I haven't been. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's so important is to be able to realize that there are people that are really doing what you want to do. And it takes a, a, a lot of humility for us to say, hey, help me to see what steps I need to take in order to get to that place. Wow, that's so important. I think um, as I share your burden to help mentor other leaders, and especially in the realm of ministry and church, the concept of spiritual fathers is something I embrace um, and something um, that I'm passionate about. Uh, and I think, especially when you're young, I think there's a temptation for a young leader to come in and try to impress the father rather than learn from the father. Yes. And in trying to make an impression on the father, they're losing the father's impression, which you just, wow, you just eloquently so said. You said, let me repeat, you said, mentors give blueprints, fathers give you an imprint. Yes. Wow. Wow. Everyone that's listening, you need to maybe hit rewind and listen to that last uh, two minutes because there is absolute gold in there. Um, Bishop, if someone that is listening right now is trying to identify a, a mentor or in the realm of, of ministry, we would use the term father, like an Elijah, Elisha type of relationship. What would you say that they should be looking for? Two or three important attributes that you would say, hey, listen, you're looking for a mentor in your life or, or maybe you're looking for a father in the faith. What should they be looking for? Uh, well, one, uh, you have to look for someone that you can honor because uh, where, there, where there is uh, no honor, real right relationship cannot exist. So you want to look for someone who has done what you want. And, and it doesn't mean that they, like if you're a pastor, doesn't mean that they have as many members as you. You right. can actually find someone that can mentor you that may not be as far along in some natural thing, but their wisdom is priceless. And right. so you want to find someone who actually has uh, that level of wisdom uh, that you're looking for, uh, or, or, or we want to call, it just depends on whether it's church or not, because you really want to find someone who have uh, a level of expertise uh, and that yes. that you could actually uh, submit to that they have not only uh, a level of respect from you, but but they they are respected by people in the community. And so those are a few of the things that I think that are important. You have to, to ask yourself, can I be accountable to them? Mm. Uh, because there, there's, there's a responsibility that goes along with mentorship, but it goes two ways. It's not only the responsibility of the mentor, it's the responsibility of the mentee is, is can I, can I humble myself and honor them? Uh, even cause when you get close to people, you start to see their flaws and, uh, mm. am I looking for, they have a treasure. Paul said, I have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Am right. I going to be so concerned about the earthen vessel that I missed the treasure? And I learned to get what God wants me to get uh, from that uh, particular individual. Wow. How do you, you brought up an important point that I don't think we spend enough time equipping leaders uh, with the knowledge to address. And that is, how do I navigate the vessel? How do I navigate the imperfections and the reality of the humanness of the mentor in my life. Because the truth of the matter is all of us have cracks in our vessels. All of us have buried treasure, but it's buried beneath the dirt. So 
then how do we all learn how to navigate that when we encounter that? How do we keep ourselves from getting so familiar with the dirt that we're no longer able to honor them and respect them and receive the treasure? Well, I think, I think it's this way. I think familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. And so sometimes there's something that we call, I call apostolic distance. I don't want to do that in this podcast uh, because they, we're talking about church and, and, yes. and everything. Yes. But, yep. uh, but there's a distance that you have to have. Sometimes you've got to pull away because when you see them too closely uh, and you become so familiar, you treat them like they're just another man, but they're not just another man or another woman, but it's someone that is a gift that has been uh, given to you. And when you recognize that, you realize that you may outgrow their achievements, but you'll never outgrow their counsel, which means that you may actually be better at them in some areas. Uh, you'll see their flaw. For example, and I'll talk more about a pastor because I'm, I'm one. Um, if I receive my pastor uh, as my prophet, I'll receive a word. If I receive him as my pa as a preacher, I only get a sermon. So mm. if, I if I receive him, if I receive him as someone that I believe God speaks to for me, there'll always be something there for me because it's the law of supply and demand. Where I, when I place a demand, there will be a supply. The woman with the issue of blood, wow. uh, uh, she, she said, if I could touch him, but she touched the hem of his garment. And when she made a demand on the grace on his life, immediately uh, she was made whole. But it, it came because she put a demand. She didn't have to be with him. He didn't have to counsel her. She didn't need uh, a special session. All she needed to know was who he was. And, and on the garments of the priest, there was oil in the, in the tassels on the end of the rope. She said, if I can touch that oil, because according to Exodus chapter 28, it says that Aaron and his sons had to have garments uh, they were to be made for them. Uh, and so, and then in 29, it says that the, the son would wear the garments after the order of the father. And in Exodus chapter 30, it says that they will be anointed. Uh, and it talks about the kinds of uh, this, the things that went into the anointing. But, the thing, the, but it also said the anointing was to never go on their flesh. It was to only go on, on the garment or the robe, which means the covering is anointed. Their flesh is never anointed. So, mm. So, so, so if, if I want to like, let me use the church, for example, if I want to be a part of, uh, if I want to receive an anointing or a grace from an individual, I have to realize that everything under the covering is anointed. And I want, I want that oil. I don't necessarily want them because if so you, for you, your, your, your personality is for your wife. It really is for me. The treasure that's in the earth and vessels for me. And I've got to be hmm. able to get the treasure and, and say, okay, I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way he speaks to me. I, <laughs> but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to get what I'm supposed to get. If I could, <clears throat> could just go back to Exodus 28 for a minute, I'll go to, over to Exodus 30. In Exodus 30, he says, uh, to make that ointment, use five spices, 500 shekels of myrrh, 250 shekels of cinnamon, 250 shekels of, uh, of, of cane, uh, uh, and then 500 shekels of cassia and to that add a hint of oil. 500 shekels of myrrh. myrrh it was twice as much myrrh. That's bitterness. Uh, mm. You really want to follow somebody who's had some bitter days. If they've never had a mishap, they've never known, they've never known. Oh, uh, that's good. They've, you know, you, you can tell them about yeah. prosperity, but if you've never known what it's, mm. what, what it's like to eat pork beans out of the can, sometimes I think that you might not be easily touched by the feelings of my infirmity. And then mm. 250 shekels of cinnamon, 250 shekels of cane or sugar, uh, so it's, I think the word is used calamus, but so he lets you have some sweet days, some flavor, 
But then he said 500 shekels of cassia. Cassia is dried flowers, which means that he allows some things to bloom, then dry up right in front of your face, because that's what he uses to produce this oil, this wow. oil for you. So when you find someone that's particularly gifted, it's usually because they've been through a, a journey that has pressed that out of them. Mm -hmm. And we like to see them on the back end, but that's why Elijah told Elijah, journey with me. And he took him to all the places that he had learned, uh, the things that he had to learn in ministry. And sometimes you have to journey with people in order for you to see areas that you could fall, things that could actually mm. uh, tear you down, things yeah. that you could go through. And then sometimes you have to hear the stories that you don't want to hear because it's not, somebody said, uh, experience is the best teacher. I don't believe that. I believe another man's experience is the best teacher because I get the experience without the pain. Oh, that's so, so good. Wow. So you have to wow. learn to listen to other people. Wow. Wow. That's so good. I, when, what you just said about going through some better days and some difficult days uh, resonated. I uh, recently, we just, we just hired someone on staff. And when I was going through the interview process, one of the things I was looking for, one of the things I wanted to know before I brought them on our ministry staff and our team was this, have they been through anything yet? Oh gosh. I wanted to know, have they been through anything yet? Have they gone through any disappointment, any heartache? Because there's something about going through the adversity that produces something good on the inside of us. What you just talked about, it, it cultivates a certain level, I think, of spiritual maturity and understanding and vision and an awareness of that anointing that's abiding in us. Bishop, that is so good. Wow. Um, so far, we've been talking about the mentor. Here's my next question. Um, what would you say is the most important attribute of a good mentee? What is it something that, that a father or a mentor, you know, they're looking to mentor somebody and they're trying to decide whether or not this is a good fit. Should I take this on? Uh, what's something, talk to leaders who are listening, who they have a burden to mentor, but there's been times they felt like they, they cast their, their, their pearls, you know, away, like, they, like they're giving good stuff, but it's not being received well and they're getting frustrated. What's something that a leader should look for in a good mentee? Well, one, are they coachable? Mm. Uh, because sometimes you can have the right person at the wrong time. And uh, some of the things that you mentioned before that they've been through actually tempers them and kind of makes them understand that they need someone. Sometimes uh, there's, a, there's a place in a person's life where they're really not ready for someone. And like, I could be a friend to you, but I can't be a coach to you uh, because friends and coach coaches do two different things. Uh, a coach can see where you lack and they demand more of you. And mm. they also give you the opportunity to quit. So the coach mm. will tell you, um, cause my son played uh, high school. Well, he played high school and college, uh, but he played high school football and, and they came in crying because they felt like the coach was just drilling on something that they thought they had perfect. And it wasn't until they got in the game and it started clicking and it was just going one right after another. And he came out, he was so excited. And I was like, do you understand why, why those tears were necessary? Because he saw this day that you didn't see. And sometimes we can't see, we think we're doing good, but a good coach can see that there's more in you. And they also know that we never go to a game where there is not something at stake. Uh, it's different when you're playing t-ball. When you're playing t-ball, you don't really need a coach. But when the stakes are higher, you need somebody 
to help you secure the win. And that's what we're here for. It's like, I want all of us to win. I just want you to win. I want you to win big. And that's what you have been created to do. You are, you are his workmanship created after him in order to work, walk in those good works he foreordained for you. You have to be willing to, and you have to have a desire to win. I can't want the win more than you. Right. How much I want it. You got to not only that's want right. it, but you got to put the work in. That's right. Wow. That's so good. Are they coachable? Um, I think one of the most challenging things um, for me as a pastor, as a leader, as a father in the faith is, is the moments where I see the potential in someone that they themselves refuse to see. Mm, yes. That has, has, has been one of the most difficult attributes of, of being a, a mentor, a father in the faith is, is those moments, Bishop, I'm sure you can relate to that. The, I see there's treasure in you, but you're refusing to see it yourself. And what I found myself doing is trying to, as you just said, talk them into wanting to win, which resulted in frustration on my part and um, uh, a little disillusionment. Um, how do you personally, how have you handled those situations? Do you have any tips for leaders who they're like, they, they've got someone on their staff now, or maybe, maybe they have someone that they mentor um, and they see potential, but they're, they're, that person's having a hard time seeing it in themselves. What advice maybe would you offer to that leader? You have to then decide what, whether or not uh, you're going you to be willing to invest the time. In order for them to see it, it, it's, it's, it takes a paradigm shift. And you have, to, you have to teach them into it because they can't see what they don't, they don't know. They don't have it. But you can teach the, in, them into it. And then you have to, to, to actually use personal examples and point out things to them in their life that they actually can use that will help them to go to another level. And, and so you are gifted as a, as a mentor, you are gifted to make them see it. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide whether or not you're going to, the, the problem is not so much with, with their frustration as much as it is with our frustration, because mm -hmm. we're like, man, you know, I'm only going to give my time to people who qualify for my time. I'm only going to give my time to people who respect my time. But sometimes people don't know what to respect. And, and then you have to really look within yourself to say, am I going to let them miss this? Or am I going to be like Vince Lombardi and say, I refuse to allow you to be anything less than what I know you have the potential to be. And, wow. and to do that, that, that means that there are a lot of crucial conversations that you have to have with them that might actually uh, bring them to tears or bring them to a place that they might want to leave. Any good coach brings a player to the place that we ha he has to decide whether staying on board is worth it. And once they make that final decision, that's when their eyes open up is I'm not going to quit the process. I'm going to stay in here and I'm going to give it a hundred percent every time. Wow. 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 What you just said so much. Um, what would you say to somebody? Because your point about the need for a crucial conversation and, and sometimes people don't know what to respect. That is powerful. And I think that is the moment where the mentor leans, has to make that decision. Am I going to lean into this moment? Sometimes, though, Bishop, those are really challenging conversations, and um, but necessary. But for many leaders, mentors, 
it's difficult. It, it doesn't come natural to them to have that crucial conversation. Why do you think that is? Why do you think at, at times we're tempted to shy away from that moment of having a real difficult conversation? It's like, it's like my kids. I, I, don't like, I don't like the look on my kid's face when I'm disappointing them, when I'm telling them something that's for their good and I can see how much it hurts them. And I used to hear my parents say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Now, how in the world could that be? But it does because there's something in a parent that's when they're talking to their child that and to see them being broken and they say, you don't understand, you don't understand. And, 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 but you realize that you have to press beyond their feelings to get them to a place that they can see a, a reality and to give them a new paradigm and sometimes a new normal. And that, that means I have to go beyond what they feel because I've been given this grace to be able to see that. And then mm. two, another thing that'll make you trust them if they have a proven track record, if lives are being changed under their leadership, then you can say, well, I've seen this happen for so many other people. I think I'll trust the process with me. Mm. Wow. Bishop, what would you say to someone who's maybe had a bad experience with a mentor? Um, maybe they've been hurt before. Maybe they've had a mentor or father and they've been wounded and they're afraid to try again. They're afraid to trust again, but they know they need the relationship. They need exposure. They need that voice in their life, that coaching voice. They need that wisdom voice in their life. They need somebody. They need that man or that woman to, to put their, you know, their hand on them, put that DNA in their life to help them achieve whatever God created them to achieve. What would you say that could be helpful to somebody who has been hurt by a mentoring relationship? and they're afraid to try again well one i say god loves you too much to leave you in that place um a lot of times i've learned not things from not what i've what i've done right but from things that went terribly right. wrong right and so I, I learned it was a lesson that helped me in the future what i refuse to do is to make inner vows i refuse mm. to say things like i'll never do this again and i'll never do that again the moment i make inner vows i lock the hands of god so things that he would do or could do, I tell him he's no longer open to come through that way again. And so whenever God wants to introduce a future, look through the script, he always introduces a relationship. And so whenever God wants to introduce a destiny and wants, to, wants you to go further, he'll introduce a relationship that can help you get to that next place. And when you make these vows and say what you'll never have, nobody will ever do me like that again, you shut down. And when you shut down, that door is open and you'll never be, and because the access is denied, when the access is denied, then what you could have received from God that was good, wholesome, and healthy, you rejected out of uh, what you thought was discernment. And it really wasn't discernment. It was really suspicion. You became suspicious of everyone. And mm. so we have to be careful how we allow suspicion to overtake us because everybody comes looking like the last person. And the remedy for that is get healed. Mm. Once you get healed from that wound, uh, you'll say, Lord, I'm open. And then you go into the relationship, trusting God, not the person. Lord, I'm trusting you to use them. And then be frankly, frank and upfront with them. This is what I've been through. I can't see that again. So if there's anything like that in you, let me go now. And, some people, <laughs> and I've known people that, that were honest enough to say, hey, you know, I, I, there are some things that I may need to talk to you about because it might look a little bit like that to you. But have those conversations and talk them through. Settle those things on the front end 
So mm -hmm. you won't have months that you're going through feeling like you're, you're abused. Bishop, you're dropping gold on us today. I want to take a minute, just this last point. You, you, you shared several transformational truths. Number one, you said, I refuse to make inner vows. Wow. Uh, because that basically you're telling God that how he used to come in, he can't come in that way anymore, work that way anymore. That, that was powerful. You said whenever God wants to introduce a, a new realm of destiny, he introduces a relationship. And then you said, don't confuse suspicion with discernment. Oh my goodness. Each of these are a, each of these are a sermon. Um, what, one last question, Bishop, what, what might, what advice might you have to a, man or a woman who is seeking a mentor and maybe they've, they've sought and they, they just haven't felt a connection. They're, they're kind of looking, maybe they're discouraged because they, they want a father in the faith or a mother in the faith or whatever the case might be, or a mentor. And they're having a hard time finding one and they're just discouraged. What would you say to that leader? Well, the, the one thing I'll say is that whenever I want to go somewhere and I start and I have an iPhone and I put in, where I want to go in my iPhone. The first thing asks me is where am I? And when it tells, asks me where I am, I put in the address and it gives me the address to where I want to go. But there are times I don't know where I am. And when I don't know where I am, it has a feature hmm. in its algorithm that will locate me. And I can even put that in and it will, from that destination, take me to where you want to go. You may not know who it is. You may not know how to get in contact with them, but there is something about God. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly who you need. And when you make that request, it's like putting that in that app saying, I don't know, but this is where I am. And from wow. that place, he sends what you need or he sends you to who you need. But you better believe that God's plan and his will for you is equipped with a GPS and you will never be lost even when you think you're lost. I have been going to cities and, and it's telling me to turn and I'm like I know I don't turn here but I right. turn and I, once I made the turn I found out it was a shorter route but it wasn't familiar to me and sometimes it's not familiar to us but I, I want to tell you that destiny has a GPS, favor has a GPS. I, I used to think that God couldn't find me because I was in a small city and from this hmm. small town, I preached in 40 of the state, 40 of the 50 states. Wow. And how, how could that happen? It's only because God is sovereign and I'm not. And I have to trust the Lord. And you got to trust the Lord with your destiny. And sometimes who you think you need is not who you need. And God knows. And sometimes rejection is God's protection. So sometimes God would not allow certain people to mentor you because there's some things he didn't want to get on you. He wanted you to stay pure in your pursuit. So he said, I've got the right person. If you just keep living, keep loving me and keep doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to, you're going to have an aha moment and say, ah, this is what I'm looking for because it's evident that most of us don't know what we need until it shows up in our life. Mm, wow. Wow. Bishop, you're dropping you're dropping all kinds of transformational truth bombs on us today. We're talking today about the transformational truth that you don't rise to the level you aspire to. You rise to the level you expose, you're exposed to. And we're talking about mentoring relationships. Bishop Borders, uh, this interview has been incredible. Where can people that are listening find you after this interview? Where do they go to find you? Well, one, you could go to Amazon and have a book called More Than a Mentor in that book a lot of the things i shared today are in that book um if you want to uh, find me on facebook uh go to randy borders ministries 
um, and I'm there. That's where I am. And if you want to find me on the World Wide Web, it's uh, www.randyborders.com. All right. <laughs> or either you can go to the church. The church is faithharvestchurch.tv. <laughs> One of those places you find me, I'm there. And I try to keep a strong presence out there so uh, you can reach out to me. Yeah, yeah, I can I can attest to that. Yes, you do. Well, Bishop Borders, thank you. This has been an incredible interview, and I know it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you for being a guest on Transformational Truth. Listen, I can't wait to uh, spend more time with you and do this again. I'm looking forward to it. If you'd like to connect with Bishop Randy Borders, please check out the links that we included in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a personal favor Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes and rate the show and write us a quick review. This is going to help us reach more people faster. We want to help restore the joy to your life and leadership.